You're listening to the Gurus, Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement Podcast, co-hosted by Andy and Brian. This is the quote of the day. You are not your mind by Eckhart Tolle from The Power of Now, the book that we are now reading for February 2021. What do you think when you think that, when you hear that you are not your mind? Well, from from the therapy standpoint that I've been trained in, it's, it's really that thoughts are just thoughts. That's what comes to my mind very, very first. You know, that uh, things can go in and out of our, our mind and they are not necessarily true, be they negative thoughts or positive thoughts about us or about the world around us. They just are interpretations of things. But sometimes it's difficult to recognize that. And so when he says, you are not your mind, it's really saying, hey, everything going on in your head is... is um, it's not necessarily you. It's just ideas and things that have that have uh, come to be because of things happening in the world around you and because of past experience. That's kind of how I interpret it. Yeah, it's a very good interpretation, actually. I think that when he says this is exactly what you're saying, that we are not the thoughts we identify mind equating thoughts most of the time. And that's how we think that is who I am. I am my thoughts. I am my profession. I am. And the thoughts being something that identifies who you are. I am this. But what he's inviting, and, and, and a lot of Eastern philosophies invite you to realize that you're not that those are just thoughts like clouds crossing over the sky they pop up they go across the sky and then they shut down they they you know they go away and our mind is more like the sky itself the clear blue sky that has thoughts being generated thunderstorms where have you know snowstorms <laughs> nice cloudy nice nice you know, very lightly cloudy days, but those are just, that's the, the natural state of our mind is that clear, clear mind, that clear state. And we are not the thoughts that come up because they arise, they go away. And if that's what we were, then we would go away at the end of the thought, but we're not that we are more than that. However, we do get stuck on that thought so we entertain it when you entertain the thought you can get stuck in the storm and that's the place where you're just stuck in that thunderstorm even though it is still just a cloud and your mind is that clearer sky you can go down to it and be involved in it and not just let it flow by and i think that's where we get stuck is we identify with the cloud being the cloud and i think that's I think what he's saying yeah, and I, you know, I'm glad that you use the word stuck because I, 
some of the stuff that uh, Eckhart Tolle is writing and some of the things that he says, I had to reread it like four times or five times because I was stuck. I was like, what are you saying? Like, this is, you know, like, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident in my ability to make sense of things that I read, you know, and uh, I feel like even though I'm not the, the I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a therapist, I'm not a philosopher, I'm not a, you know, this uh, total deep thinking leader of thought in the world, you know, I'm, I'm but I, I can hold my own, I guess. I, at least I thought so <laughs> until I read this and I was like, man, it's like, what, what? It's, I it's... feel stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll go, so we'll talk more about that. So this month's for all the uh, readers that are along with us or just listeners, um, we are discussing Eckhart Tolle's uh, The Power of Now. Um, and it has been a book that was written a while back, not that far but Eckhart Tolle, by many means, is considered to be one of the top spiritualists. There's a group out of England that ranks like the top 100 or 500 uh, spiritualists in the world. And he is always in the top 10 because of his ability to use the philosophies in the East and be able to marry it with the Western way of thinking. And I think that that's what you'll see in this is that a lot of what he's bringing up is Eastern philosophy, but he's saying it in a way that a Western mind can understand. And hopefully I, understand. Hopefully it's a different way of thinking. And that's the, I remember when I first read this book, it was, it was mind blowing and I didn't understand it completely, just like yourself. And it wasn't until I started rereading this again that I was like, oh, that's uh, the, this is that philosophy. That's that philosophy. It's all Eastern philosophy, this Buddhist philosophy, this Hindi philosophy. This, it's, it's amazing that he's been able to write this book. And I think that's why people identify what he's done and why he's considered a spiritualist. The interesting thing, so just a little story about Eckhart Tolle. Um, the thing that he did was when he was a very young man uh, in his 20s, he was very, very stressed out individual, uh, very anxiety ridden. He even and, mentioned that he had um, suicidal depression right, at times. Right. And so when he brings that up, he's he had what most people and most people don't have this. So people are looking for a mass awakening, uh, this sudden awakening, this, Whoa, I'm, I'm awoke. Uh, most people never have this experience, but he, however, is one of those one percenters that had the ability to have this awakening one morning after he was very stressed out in like London, I think he then had this mass awakening of what reality was very much like, I would almost kind of like an enlightenment moment, like from the Buddha. If you kind of think about that kind of awakening experience. And then he basically sat in a park for two years and just kind of watched things and saw the, the way the world really was and then I think he also did some philosophy stuff um, to try to figure it all out. 
And then he wrote this book. This was his, this was his first book that I know of that really hit the mainstream and has made a huge, uh, amazing transformation on so many people. And he now has like a following. I know people that go to his conferences. He has audible conferences that you can actually listen to where he actually goes through some meditations, a brilliant, a brilliant spiritualist. And I think that what I really like about him was that he didn't have a tie to a certain religion. He brings up the philosophies of the, of the, of that, but it doesn't um, actually say I am Buddhist or I am Christian. There, there's none of that. It's just a straight spirituality that is very raw and in a, very uh i think in a very understandable way yeah and you know i think he um he does talk about god quite a bit in in the book however his interpretation of god and and what he describes as is probably a lot different from what the average individual in the united states thinks about as god unless they're into the eastern philosophy type stuff right he does explain that a lot better than I could in the book of why, why he kind of makes that differentiation or, or, you know, his reasoning behind um, using God, even though for him, he doesn't necessarily believe that there's this all knowing God. Does that make sense? It does. And there is a movement in even within Christianity to that removes the the man on the white clouds and making it more universal to being involved in everything. I am everything, and really taking that aspect of it that you're that he's at, that God is a term of universe, not a not a person or a thing. It's part of everything. It's part of the atoms that you're in, the quants that you're in, you know, all of that. It's, it's in part of everything and encompasses everything. And that's what makes it omnipotent and omniscient is that it's in everything. And I think that that's where he's kind of driving from is, is that almost like Nietzsche-ish where he said God is dead, but it was the form of God that Christians were being in his opinion, controlled by. That was what Nietzsche was thinking, is that we were being controlled by this religion. And I think he's more right. using it as a inference to the universe, the yeah. consciousness, the the thing that you get to and when you're in stillness, that space where you're right. connected. Right. Well I think you know that... Eckhart. Oh sorry, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was going to say that um, Eckhart even goes out of his way to, to say um, that he is not trying to tell someone that their religion is right or wrong or that their belief in God is, is right or wrong. Um, he actually says, let's, uh, let's see w- what, you know, what you do believe in and then take this and use it within your religion, basically. That's exactly what he's saying. And I think that he's trying to use it as a connection he, outside of the religious aspects and the rituals that, but he's saying you can get connected even more 
to those rituals. And that, and that is such a truth. I, I grew up very Christian and I wasn't as connected to the beautiful rituals that Christianity does have in it. Um, and now that I'm into the Buddhist, I, I, I f- at first got into it because I was into the philosophy, just like Eckhart Tolle is teaching very mind, you know, it was very a, th- a philosophy made me think, made me change my patterns of habit and thinking. So very profound in that way. But what it helped me also do was connect to the beauty that was my religious experience with the rituals of the of Buddhism. So there is some beautiful rituals and prayers and mantras and things that are involved in Buddhism, just like prayers for Christianity. Um, you can connect more deeply with them by being more present with them. And that's exactly what he keeps speak, speaking of is getting connected more. He talks about meditation being that space, being able to connect more to be able to start that stillness and to become increasingly more happy and joyful. So really what it, what it comes down then to, if I'm going to interpret this, is it's more about the intention and the attitude that you have with this, um, with the philosophies, with the things. Like, how do you approach it and implement it into your life in a way that is, um, you, and not saying this necessarily in a religious way, but in a, in a sacred way? Right. That's exactly. I I think that you can take that into everything is sacred and that it's all in the present moment. Everything is sacred. And that's where mindfulness, being able to be in the present moment makes everything sacred. Everything. You can just pour yourself a cup of tea and have a, a connection with the tea, with the tea leaves as they start to dissolve into the water. You can watch that happening. You then can go and drink the tea. You can feel the hotness of the tea going down your throat. And you're, you're experiencing all of this and it makes every bit of it sacred and connected. So then you can taste the tea leaves. You can taste the bitterness. Maybe you can taste the sugar that you put in. It's being mindful. So this is really a mindfulness practice. And that's coming from right. very Zen Buddhist philosophies. Um, and Thich Nhat Hanh is a very fine example of that area. If you want to go read one of his books, where they talk about mindful, mindful walking, mindful action, and the mindful actions that are you d- taking steps, you being able to be present in everything that you're doing at all times, because the habits that we normally do, we don't even think about. It's involuntary. You know, you go drive a car, you're not even thinking about it anymore. You're just driving from point A to point B. I need to get there. Mm -hmm. It just happens. It's all, but if you make it present, I step on the gas. I feel the gas pedal. I feel the car go. I can feel the, you know, the increase in speed. And you can feel the road. You can feel the bumps in the road. You can feel you know, maybe the air hitting you from your air conditioning or your heater, all being present and making it all sacred in that moment to where you're connected to everything at all times. 
in my opinion, that's where he's really going. And then he's also making you, especially this first part of the book, he starts talking about the mind being everything or being not being part of the mind, but being something that's disconnected from your thoughts. You know, your mind is everything, but it's that clear light. It's not your thoughts. And he calls it consciousness versus your thoughts. So consciousness is that observer, observing the thoughts, that clear light, clear sky mind that sees the thoughts arise and not identifying with them. And that ability to take yourself out of your thoughts gets you unstuck. And then you can increasingly get into a more peaceful stillness, mindful state that where you're not with keeping up with those thoughts and making them control you, which is what the problem is. You're, we allow our thoughts to control us. Right. If there's, and I think this is a really important point to, to talk about. Problems in our lives are only problems because we make them into problems. You had mentioned in, in a previous podcast, Andy, uh, about the car, right? <laughs> about a car having a problem. Um, and so therefore it is my problem because the car is mine. But it's not my problem. It is the car's problem. And so we, we think about this you know, and this is kind of where the, it gets maybe a little bit difficult to follow because we're talking about thoughts and, and um, mind and consciousness. This is all very intangible. However, a car is not. So let's go with that analogy. The car has a problem. Just as if you had, uh, you know, a friend, a friend who has a problem. The friend is a separate entity. Is it? It's not you. Just like the car is not you. So if your friend has a problem, is it your problem? No. But then we take the car and it has a problem. It's our car. So now it is our problem when it's actually a separate entity. So the pain that arises from identifying with the car in that moment, the car has a problem. Therefore it is my problem. You know, it's just false. It's not true. The car has a problem. And in that moment, by claiming ownership of the problem, it creates pain. Now, maybe not physical pain, right? But stress, right? Oh no, the car is not going to start. I have to go do this, right? I have, have to now take to the, the shop and everything. It's like, that's true. The point here is the car has a problem. If you want to use the car, you do have to fix it regardless. So how come we delve deep into it and make it a stressful, painful situation for us when we could just take care of it anyways without being stressed about it? Those are the excellent questions. And this is where he's going with it. You identify with these things. You identify your mind, your thoughts as being your mind. And that's exactly where he's going with it. We identify with our thoughts being who we are. We identify and we actually say, this is my mind. 
this is my mind, meaning my thoughts. Uh, this is my body. This is my car. And, we, and the car is an extension of us because we say we own it. So when we have a, this thing happened to my body or my car or this problem arose, it's because we identified with it so strongly that we have emotions about it that arise and thoughts that say, hey, something's happening and I have to protect myself or get, have an emotional reaction to it. And that's when the emotional reaction happens. And that's when he's saying those emotions actually arise when your thoughts connect with your body. So your mind is thinking something and then goes, oh, that car, my car is broken. I'm so angry. And angry is like going to war over the thing, this piece that has happened, you know, in your mind. It is this emotion that arose and is angry because this thing isn't what I wanted. I didn't want that. And so anger arises. And what he's saying is that, that most of the time in those moments, we identify with it. And if you don't think, most people go, well, I'm not my anger. Well, imagine yourself getting into an angry state and how much you are invested in that anger. Most people, I completely invest in that anger. And that's how identified with the anger that you are. You know, we, that's how, that's when, you know, yes, I am very invested in my, in my identity <laughs> because that's where this angry moment comes from is my identity to that thing. And then if you can, what he's teaching you and what the thoughts are behind that is that you are not those you can be with no judgment conscious of those thoughts but with no judgment, it means that the anger won't arise because this thing's happened. Now what? I fix it. Okay. That's what needs to happen. And that is so, that is so interesting. I mean, so the power of now, right? That's what the name of the book is. Basically, he's saying, stop living in the past. Stop living in the future. Pay attention intentionally to what is happening right now. And that you are not the things that you think you are. And you are not your thoughts. You are not any of the, the things around you. You just are. Right. We say in the Buddhist philosophy, is called, we, we call it emptiness. In Theravada, it's no self. The thought is this, that you, the things that you think you perceive are not real. Like that's the, the way it is. Right. And that's exactly where the matrix actually came from. There's a book about, the, from the author that actually states that this is any kid got it from a Buddhist philosophy, because that's what they're stating. The no self, meaning that there is no identification to self you are empty of inherent existence. You are not this thing that you've created. And he calls it the ego. So the one that lives in the past and in the future, he's not using the, the Freudian ego. He uses it as a, 
form of saying the person that lives in the past in the future that creates the anxiety who is constantly with that monkey mind chattering away about things that have happened in the past and saying this is who i am because of my past and things in the future give me anxiety because i'm uh projecting what's going to happen and i fear that and what he's saying is, is the only thing that you have is now and the ability to change those things in the future are now. So just focus on the now and the things that have passed have already happened. And it's so, so cool. <laughs> if you think about it now, um, I don't know if, uh, if it was part of this reading or not. So I listeners, I have to be honest with you. I read this book a month ago. And then uh, we decided that we were going to read it again. And so I, I have a lot of this book fresh in my mind from, uh, from a month ago when I read it and also with reading it now. And so there's, um, there's maybe a little bit of an overlap. I don't know exactly if some of my thoughts come from the part of the reading that we're all supposed to be at or if they come at a part later in the book. So I apologize <laughs> up front. That's okay. Um, but I, I was going to say that the, I actually do think it's part of, of the reading right now where he talks about how the mind just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and we never ever let it rest. And that it's, it's a tool. The mind is a tool just like you would use a hammer or a, or a, lawnmower or something like that it just so happens that we are always carrying this tool around it'd be like we're we're driving the lawnmower i don't think this is his analogy this is mine it's like we're driving the lawnmower with us everywhere we go it's just this loud loud noise that's going 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 it doesn't run out of gas (laughs) and it's shaking and you know but it's all internal whoa what did that person just say what did what's going on over here oh what did what my mom say yesterday oh man i have to take care of this thing that's happening this weekend blah 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 like it's just going 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 noise 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 this lawnmower needs to be shut off on occasion or it's gonna overheat extremely true so he's saying that the so consciousness and then there's the thinking the thinking is the tool the lawnmower you need a lawnmower to cut grass but you don't always need the lawnmower exactly what you're stating you don't always need it on it only needs to cut the grass you don't need it for anything once you you know you don't have people who just have lawnmowers hanging around you put it in the garage and you keep it there until you need it the next time for next week or two weeks from now to be able to cut your lawn again. And that he's saying that you can use your thinking as a tool and know it's just a tool to be able to use it to do different tasks, such as your job at work, but then shut it off on occasion. And the more that you shut it off, the more peace you will have because that lawnmower is not running. The thoughts are not churning all of the time. 
to give you anxiety, depression, those type of thoughts that you identify with. So he talks about this uh, concept of watching the thinker, which I think would be very beneficial, right? Because we can say, hey, turn off your thoughts and everyone's going to be like, well, how? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking all the time. Like, and that's okay because it's a habit, right? That's, that's why this is something that we're going to be practicing and learning. Again, something that you have to do intentionally. Think about like, how are you ever going to learn to play the piano or, you know, Andy, how's he ever going to become a rock star if he doesn't practice the guitar, right? Like has to put some time in to do this. Well, if we are going to really be able to take advantage of the power of now, not just the book, but like being in the present moment, we have to put effort into it and set aside time to do this, you know? And so watching the thinker is the idea that, um, again, you are not your thoughts. And just like you watch clouds in the sky, which Andy, I love, I love this analogy, you know, thoughts are, are, are going to come and go. And can you take a step back and say, you know, maybe, maybe let's go back to the car. Oh, my, my car has a problem. What am I going to do? maybe you reframe that you're going to watch this thought and you're going to say okay wait it's not my car that has the problem that car over there which i own has a problem so it's putting some space it's watching the thought putting yeah. it into uh, a, a a space where it's not you it's not you who has a problem. Absolutely. That's exactly what you're talking about. Very truth. There's a lot of truth in that. And being, being able to create the pause, the sacred pause, that's what you're talking about, that sacred pause where you are just paused. Another really simple technique is breathing meditation, Vipassana, where you just are thinking about your inhalation and your exhalation. And we did recently, we did a episode where we did a breathing meditation where I, and I would go back to that, but the thought process is, is that you have stopped when you, our mind is only single tasked. And when you concentrate on one thing and one thing alone, you take your, your thoughts out of that and put and focus them. And that's what he's saying is focus your mind on the right things, your thoughts on the right things. Being able to create space is by being able to just concentrate on things like the present moment. And that's what he's saying is, is that by noticing your breath, it's a very simple thing to do. And the reason why the Buddhists put that in there is a very beginning, every meditation that I do, I start with this to be able to create peace, to separate what's been going on and then putting myself into a mindset to go and meditate on an object of whatever it is that I'm meditating, compassion, love, uh, wisdom, and then being able, but it, it you have to have that space to be able to see it. 
And I think that's the moments when to be able to really help yourself, you have to take yourself out of these thoughts and identifying with them. And one way of doing that is through mindfulness practice, mindful walking, just like what you're saying, when you see something, being able to do a sacred pause and realize that you are not the things that you identify with. And actually by the fact that you think that you're doing it, because you have taken that step back and realized that I am not the lawnmower. I am not the car. I am not the broken thing. I am not this problem. They are things that are happening that I have to respond to, perhaps. But have once to, you I, if you want to. You choose to. Right. You choose to. I mean, if you like, for instance, you know, somebody hurt your feelings this thing has happened. <laughs> and so now you have to respond to that in some way, but being able to take a sacred, sacred pause meeting, being able to step back and see it as it is a thing that has happened from somebody else who maybe have an uncontrolled mind. When you can realize that other people have the same uncontrolled mind, you can then have compassion for others who are in the same state and that's where that deep compassion can come from. You can go, oh, that's where they're at too. They're stuck in the same pattern that I am too. I like that. So, um, and it kind of it kind of relates to uh, you know that I mean we're, what we're saying is empathy, right? right. That you have that you're able to see another person's uh, life through their eyes, so to speak, or trying to walk in their shoes. And he says something on page 18 that I think is pretty incredible along the lines of having empathy with others. It's kind of like uh, explaining why we do what we do and why other people do what they do. He says on page 18 that, um, and I quote, you see and judge the present through the eyes of the past. So what he, what he's saying there basically is right that anything that we're thinking or or doing or like thoughts and judgments that we have are simply because of things that have happened to us in the past so another person does or says things or believes in things simply because of things that they have seen or judged from the past and it also, and he also mentions this. So there's the things that you've experienced, and then there's the way that the culture is about, and the way you how they respond to things too in your culture. So you are part of everything, and when you are part of a culture, then you have a tendency. You were raised by these people that were your parents. You were raised in a system, you know, whatever it is. And so your beliefs and your core values are derived from your experiences as well as the things that have happened to you that are around you that are, and it's never ending. The truth is that it never ends, that we are influenced by everything all of the time. And we are influenced by anything, you know, anything in our, in the past that has happened and recognizing that is part of the journey of understanding of who you are 
and why you think the way you think. So can, and so part of being in the now and of um, not being in our minds and in our thoughts all the time is really kind of saying like what I know plays no part right now. Right. And that's exactly where I was going to go. So the who you are is the thought. This is who I am. I am a mix of cultures and mix of diversity and things that influence me and in my experiences and, and so on and so on. But you are not that. You are this consciousness that is observing that and being able to be in that emptiness. That's when you get freedom. And he's looking for enlightenment. Enlightenment is that space of emptiness of no self, not identifying with the things that you normally see and think you are. Uh, this is so deep. Listeners, you guys need to send us some messages, some some emails and be like, what are you saying? Or be like, yeah, I totally get it. And then explain. <laughs> I hope that there's like some highly, highly intelligent PhD philosopher person out there that's listening and maybe can lend a hand. <laughs> I, I, I think we're doing okay at explaining this, Andy. Um, but then at are. the same time, I take a step back and I say like, is, is that what I just said? <laughs> well, so like, here's the, that, here's the that, thing. Yeah, well, there's conventional <laughs> wisdom and then there's the wisdom that we, so there's conventional wisdom, which is the wisdom that we know. Uh, this is the way things are. And we have a tendency to always go back to conventional wisdom. And then there is that ultimate wisdom, the real things that is reality. And the more that you acquaint yourself with that, the more you will, the habit of mind will change to be able to be in that space more often. And that's what he's saying is, is that basically through mindfulness practices, which is why we call it a practice, you acquaint your mind with more of these thoughts. And as you do so, this stuff will make more sense because you'll start feeling the stillness. And now the reason why, and this is, I always go to what's the why in it. It's peace and happiness. The why do you want to do this is because you want more peace and happiness and less anxiety and depression and anger and, you know, feelings that arise that you are attached to. And that is why you do this. So that's why he's writing this book was right. to help you understand how to be more present in your relationships, more present in your own life, have more peace and joy and happiness, more love for others around you, yeah. less judgment. Those are the things that he's getting your mind to be able to, but you have to practice slowly. It doesn't happen. I mean, unless you're an Eckhart Tolle, it just happens one day because you've just had enough. You have a mental well, break. <laughs> you know, and I would argue probably that he doesn't give himself enough credit. I imagine there was some groundwork going on somewhere, you know, to be able um, to understand and be able to be in that space. Yeah, absolutely. I would think so. Right. Too. Like I, I just, I don't think it was blind luck. You know, there's a saying out there that luck is um, preparedness and uh, opportunity meeting up at the same time right right that's exactly um, what it is <laughs> yeah and so so i would say he was probably prepared somehow um yeah 
But, you know, I, I think to, to piggyback on what you were saying, right? Like if you're looking for a quick fix to the difficulties or challenges going on in your life, you are not in the right space. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not something that is going to be quick. I think it's quicker than people expect it, you know, but like there's a, there's a reason why lots of people have addictions. There's a, you know, be it drugs or alcohol or sex or, or um, food, you know, whatever it is. Overthinking. Um, overthinking. Yes. And that is, that is the biggest addiction of them all. You know, if we're talking about mental um, health issues, the number one most diagnosable thing is anxiety, right? Like six, I believe it's like 60% of the human population um, I, I, and I'll have to go back and read my diagnostic manual <laughs> to make sure I don't get this wrong, but it's like 60% at one time or another will have anxiety, right? More than half diagnosable, like to the level that it, it is impeding life functioning. Now I would argue then that if 60% have it that bad, that it's to the point of they need intervention, 40% are probably hovering pretty close to that line. And anxiety is really, and, and maybe my colleagues will, will get really mad at me for simplifying it so much. Anxiety really is just a, a problem of overthinking and being too much in the future. That's really, that's really it. And, and what we're saying here now is, Let's, let's focus on getting into the present moment, letting go of what we know or what we think we know, letting go of our identities and just allowing ourselves to be, not, not all the time, just starting with maybe a few moments at a time. And you can do that through several techniques, you know, mindful walking, mindful drinking, mindful eating. Will you explain mindful. those? The mindful walking is being presently aware of how you are walking the sound, the, the way that your foot feels against the floor, how you roll your feet or when you walk, you bounce or whatever it is, however you, I, I roll my feet. So how you roll your feet when you take a step and then you take a step and then you take another step and being mindful and aware of how your feet feel, how your legs feel, how your, you know, uh, your body feels and how your mind is feeling, you know, those, all those things are right in there, but really focusing on the walking, the, the, the movement of walking. And when you're in those present moments like that, it takes away because you are, your mind can is focused so highly on that that the problems of everything else, you're overthinking your monkey mind. The chatter goes away because you're so in-depthly focused on just the walking or just your breath, just the inhalation, the exhalation, and just being able to keep track of that with focus, with concentration. The more that you can concentrate on those things, 
the more the chatter goes away and the more you have experiences. And so it's a practice because the more that you do it, the more you will have that space created, that peace in your mind. And when I first started meditating, it was like seconds, not even that. <laughs> of just in the book. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it wasn't until I started really meditating on, I mean, it was like two or three years in before I really felt that I had gotten a lot more space. And when I was able to really concentrate on different objects of meditation, that wouldn't bring me back to this thought process that was, Oh my, Oh, is the laundry done? Is, uh, you know, what's my next webcast going to be like? What's my next uh, live stream going to be like? What's my next beard product going to be? What's my, <laughs> you know, right. was that person going to make it? Do you think that person will make be mad if I say this? Well, I have to, you know, all of those thoughts and processes being able to just separate them for a few moments in meditation daily for 15 minutes. I always suggest you work from five to at least do a practice of 15 minutes every day to get into the practice of just doing breathing, of being mindful of your breath so that you create more and more space for yourself so that that peace that because you're because the mind is actually the natural state of your mind is peace and happiness because it's clear. It doesn't have issues that it's attached to. It's clear. It's peaceful. That's why we say a peaceful sky. It's clear. It doesn't have any turbulence. It just is at peace. And then the clouds are turbulent and, you know, thunderstorms come in and, you know, we're attaching to those things. And, and those are the things that we think that are causing problems. But we say a peaceful sky, it's a clear sky because we're not attaching to everything else around it. Well, and, and, you know, you are not your mind, right? Um, your mind is a tool. Your thoughts are a tool. Your mind is your, is the open space, the consciousness. Right. Right. Well, so you can, you can control that. You can choose what is, you know, and it does take the practice. So thinking like um, we're going to, we're going to use basketball as the example here of how you can practice mindfulness. So if you wanted to practice basketball for five to 15 minutes tomorrow, you will pick a time, let's say 3 PM and you are going to either go to the gym where they have a basketball hoop, or maybe you have one, uh, at your house or, or like, you know, nearby outside, and you're going to go for five to 15 minutes and maybe it's just going to be free throws and you're going to sit at the free throw line. You're going to set a timer and you are going to shoot free throws over and over and over. And you will probably miss a few. You'll probably make a few. And that is okay. Like the point is that you're there shooting and inevitably if you were to sit there and do that every day for a year i imagine that the number of free throws that you make um after a year is going to be a lot better than where you were that first day because so of muscle memory because of muscle memory very good thought yeah right right and and your mind you know and, and you're like and, and practicing mindfulness you know, which is again, 
focusing intentionally on what is happening presently without judgment. Um, your mind will get better at that. You're going to practice it. You're going to be like, oh, that's really hard. I can't do that. It's like, well, of course. Just like shooting free throws. It's really hard to make it every single time. You know, so we're going to lower the expectation here that you have to empty your mind completely, that you have to be totally focused forever. No, your mind is going to wander. And the minute that you recognize your mind is wandering and you bring it back to focusing on the present, that right there was mindfulness in and of itself. And you are practicing. You just made a basket. You recognize that you are not paying attention to what's happening right now. And so you intentionally brought yourself back to maybe just listening to your breath. This is extremely powerful, extremely useful, and not so easy to do. Because again, your mind is used to the lawnmower being on all the time. There's a lot of noise, a lot of thoughts. And so there's that no judgment piece when you find yourself wondering, it's not, oh, darn it, what's wrong with me? It's, oh, hey, look at that. I, I noticed that my mind was, was not paying attention. How cool is it that I noticed? Because I am now being mindful, right? Like right this second. That's awesome. exactly what I teach students, that the fact that you recognized it was the first big step into that space because you're recognizing I am not my thoughts. I caught myself thinking again. And then you're like, wait a second, that's the step back. That step back is the huge gap. That's the, yeah. that's the, <laughs> that's exactly where you wanted to go with it. You were noticing. You can control your attention basically, because again, it is a tool for you to use and manipulate to your benefit. Right. It doesn't use you. It has been, but uh, you are now, recognizing that you can control this uh, awesome, awesome computer that's inside your body, inside your head. Absolutely. So that goes back into, uh, so we're talking about habits. And I think that that ties into SMART goals, which Absolutely. is creating uh, habits of mind and differences so that you don't, and that's what, you know, new year, new year's resolutions are actually, I won't stop. I'll stop doing this thing or start doing this thing, but it's your practice that keeps you going. And then once you get into the habit of mind, it's no longer a resolution anymore. Now it's a habit that I do. This is what I do. So for you, it has been eat more greens, more vegetables, mm -hmm. um, and fruits. How is that going? Uh, I would say better than, than last time, even the last time I had gone a little bit more on track. There were a couple of weeks there where it slowly got off. I paid attention to what was going on, right? I recognized that maybe I was, I was feeding my emotions and kind of recognizing those emotions now and really being more consciously engaged in saying, oh, I feel tired or I feel stressed. And that's why I want that hamburger. That's why I want that shake. You know, even, even if I do decide to, like it's progress to at least recognize the emotion behind why I would make the decision. And I have eaten more veggies and I have eaten more fruits this week. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Oh, that's awesome. That is really awesome. 
And mine has been to increase my social engagement through my social. Um, I haven't been feeling so well this week. So I spent about two days feeling not so hot. And I did a live stream Thursday and Friday of last week. And then that's, I haven't shot any more video. I think I did a couple posts, but what I'm focusing more on is relationships as well as more positive and self-care. So my posts are about self-care and being able to make you think a little bit. And so I'm posting more of those positive. And then even in the conversations that I'm having online with my groups that I'm a part of, making sure that I am always in that space for creating positive mindsets, or at least I'm the one example of positive mindset so that I don't get caught up in the, did you see what so-and-so did? Did you see what this happened? And and then making a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to be part of that negativity. Even if it is, hey, yeah, did you notice so-and-so had a negative post? I can say, yes, I saw that. I am choosing not to engage in that. And so that has been much more freeing and putting me in a better space for my you know, my uh, social media expansion because it's really giving me more base, which is what you have to do. We have to figure out, okay, what am I doing? And then once you start doing that, you start building the base so that when you come out of it, it's all focused on the right spaces. It's not just all over and trying to get, you know, because that's the biggest thing that I ran into is I don't, didn't have enough um, format behind it to say what I was. And so I was all over the place. One video would be me dancing and being funny. The next one would be me trying to be serious and nobody would understand what my focus was. So I think that's where I'm going. And I think it's been, you know, for me in the, my mindset has been much more positive and a much more happier space. Got your but, why. Yeah, exactly. When you get your why, you can go anywhere. You can suffer through anyhow. <laughs> Right. Oh man, Absolutely. that was such a good book. I'm I am excited that we are reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Listeners, we are so happy that you are joining us for this for this book this month. We want you to stay on um, on top of your own goals that you have for the the New Year's resolutions. You know, you're listening to to Andy and I talk about ours, and you know how we maybe have gone different directions or maybe fall off the bandwagon a little bit. Um, but that's the point of, uh, of having this accountability, right? Is no goal um, from the outset is probably perfect. And so there do need to be some adjustments made or some things that, you know, um, shifted around a little bit. Well, I think that it goes back to journey is much more important than the destination. Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to sit down and be aware of what's going on, I mean, that's very in line with what this month's book is about. You know, it's getting in touch with what really matters, which is the now, and um, using um, ambition, using the future and, and thoughts more intentionally and purposefully using them as tools to, to live life to the fullest. 
Absolutely. I love that. That's, that's the point of these books. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, you can reach us on our email. Yeah. What is <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, uh, gurus, gurus podcast podcast, gurus one, podcast one yeah at gmail.com and then you can reach each of us on our ig account uh brian is at high mountain sage and that's his and handle and and he's the bearded practitioner and yep and so and then we do have a ig presence under gurus podcast so go and leave a message, leave an email. We want to know your thoughts and we want to be able to answer any questions you have. Next time we will be joined by a guest that has been right there along us since day one and is, has actually started reading the book, this book with us and was very excited about reading it with us and has given us some really cool insight. And she is somebody that I've known from my past. So it'll be fun to reconnect and be able to talk about more Eckhart Tolle. So uh, beard on. Stay bearded. And we'll catch you next time. 